Today, I want to talk about how to sleep better and feel better and how sleep affects our mental and our physical health. Um, my work has been supported in part by grants from the National Institute of Mental Health and the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. And I am a co-investigator in the UCSD IBM Center for Artificial Intelligence for Healthy Aging. And today I'm gonna to talk to you about what happens when you sleep, a little bit about insomnia and health, um, changes in sleep during the COVID-19 pandemic and review some sort of basic sleep treatments, both for insomnia as well as things we can do on our own. So there's been a lot of attention in the media, especially lately, about how important sleep is for health. This New York Times article from a few years ago stated that sleeping more is the simplest way to drastically improve your life. Um, sleep deprivation, which affects about a third of all people, has negative effects on health and well-being. And yet, you know, it's hard to know exactly how much sleep is uh, enough sleep. This CNN article, um, again from a couple of years back, shows that even too much sleep can be linked to poor health. So Ultimately, sleep is really heterogeneous among individuals, and sleep is related to health, but it's not clear for each person what is the optimal amount or type of sleep or how it impacts health for each individual. So this is part of why I'm so interested in sleep is that it is so personal and it's so heterogeneous and we need to learn more about how to improve things for each person. So first of all, what happens when you sleep? Um, well, let's start with how sleep changes as we age. So from infancy, we spend about 70% of our day sleeping. We often wake to start our days and our parents' days around 5 a.m. And then we grow into becoming teenagers who have phase-delayed sleep. We end up going to sleep late, often spending a lot of time on sleep and waking up late. Um, given that schools tend to start on the early side, we're often quite sleep-deprived and tired during the day. And then as we age into being adults, our sleep phases shift earlier again. We go to bed earlier, we wake earlier. However, most adults, especially Americans, do not actually sleep well. About 35% of Americans are sleep deprived, which means sleeping about less than seven hours a night. And about 50 to 70 million US adults have a sleep disorder, the most common being insomnia. About 30% with short-term issues and about 10% with chronic issues. And unfortunately, um, those types of issues worsen as we age. Older adults have higher rates of insomnia as well as other sleep disorders. They have more frequent overnight awakenings and shorter overall sleep time. And about half of older adults will report having some type of sleep problem. So why is sleep so important? Well, why, you know, sleep is clearly a biological process that's key to development and health. Um, we've been, it's been shown to be important for promoting growth, regulating metabolism, heart and lung function. Um, you know, the purpose of dreams is not exactly clear, but that's an important function that happens while sleep. Um, sleep is important to solidifying memories, as well as to clearing toxins from the brain. Um, and that's been an area of increasing interest over the last few years. Um, clearing toxins such as amyloid and tau proteins, which are key in the pathogenesis of Alzheimer's dementia, has been shown to happen as we sleep. Um, insomnia, obstructive sleep apnea, short sleep duration, and poor sleep quality have all been identified as independent risk factors for cognitive impairment and the development of Alzheimer's dementia and vascular dementia. Um, and we know that um, poor sleep is linked to issues with memory, attention, mood problems, as well as falls. So sleep really has a mechanistic impact on cognition, which we are still learning a lot about. In terms of insomnia, um, Insomnia itself has a strong impact on health. Um, so what is insomnia? 
So some of the major um, signs of insomnia include, you know, difficulties with falling asleep, staying asleep, um, or waking too early and not being able to fall back asleep again. And it causes clinically significant impairment or distress in at least one of these key areas, um, including fatigue or low energy, daytime sleepiness, mood disturbances, behavioral difficulties, cognitive problems like impaired concentration, attention, or memory, impaired um, abilities to complete occupational or academic functions, impaired so interpersonal or social functioning, and it can also affect um, your caregiver or family um, functions. Diagnosing sleep apnea usually starts with a clinical evaluation with your um, doctor to rule out other medical problems that can interfere with sleep. Um, many times it can be helpful to get referred to a sleep specialist. Um, sometimes it can be helpful to track your nightly patterns of sleep with a sleep diary, um, looking at bedtime awakenings, your overall sleep quality, and the use of um, interfering substances like caffeine, alcohol, or medications. Um, there can be a number of questionnaires that can help to understand um, about these sleep symptoms as well as pre potential precipitating factors, lab tests to rule out other medical issues, and then even sleep studies. And the health consequences of insomnia are pretty broad. Poor sleep has been linked to metabolic issues such as obesity, heart problems, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, even immune dysfunction, as well as depression and anxiety. And some of this may be a little bit bi-directional in that sleep can cause these problems as well as some of these issues can worsen sleep as well. Now with COVID-19, we've actually seen many of these issues magnified in certain populations. Um, during COVID-19, about 41 to 70% of older adults in certain studies have reported sleep problems. And these sleep problems have been associated with female sex, um, having increased anxiety or depression, um, complaints of loneliness, either not working or being confined to the home and social distancing measures have been shown to be associated with worse um, sleep. Again, however, though, the sleep quality during COVID-19 has been variable. So certain populations are reporting worse sleep quality while others have actually reported better sleep quality. So again, it, it seems to affect different populations differently. And another interesting point is that good quality sleep is really important for optimal immune function. Even a single night of poor sleep can actually affect inflammatory biomarker levels, lymphocyte counts, which are a key immune cell in the body, as well as your vaccine antibody response the following day. And so one of the notes I remember seeing when the COVID-19 vaccine came out was that having a good night's sleep before can actually make the vaccine more effective. And chronic poor sleep can actually upregulate in a immune system activity and affect how leukocytes are trafficked or brought to different sites of the body to help with um, fighting off infections. So our work in schizophrenia bipolar as well as healthy adults have shown that um, a lot of the night-to-night -night changes or variability of sleep patterns can actually be strongly associated with inflammation. And we've seen that people have more labile sleep patterns where they sleep very short amounts one night and maybe much larger amounts the next night. So the changes from night to night are larger for those folks actually may have um, increased levels of inflammation or oxidative stress. And another important impact of sleep, um, in addition to the effects on immunity, the stressors of COVID-19 can also affect sleep in turn. So COVID-19 has created what was coined by a group of authors, including Smith and colleagues, 
um, as a connectivity paradox. So while um, the risks of social isolation and loneliness may be increased by taking further social distancing or isolation measures, um, you know, you're really balancing the COVID-19 infection risk against the risk of social isolation and loneliness. And this was important to us because we've seen that um, there's been increased prevalence of loneliness during the COVID-19 pandemic. And other studies have actually shown pre-COVID that loneliness is strongly associated with sleep problems. So we've uh, seen a number of studies that have shown loneliness is associated with decreased sleep efficiency, which is sort of less percent time sleeping overnight increased overnight awakenings, also called WASO or wake after sleep onset, longer sleep latency, which means it takes longer to actually fall asleep when you go to bed, worse sleep quality, and even having um, insomnia is associated with um, loneliness. Again, this may be bi-directional in that loneliness is associated with poor sleep and poor sleep is associated with loneliness. And in one of our studies um, of older adults um, in collaboration with IBM, we've actually seen that loneliness is linked with psychosocial functioning and other behaviors. Um, we found with um, that when we looked at reported sleep quality um, and loneliness um, here on the uh, x-axis, so higher levels of loneliness um, were associated with higher scores on the sleep quality index, which actually indicates worse sleep quality. So we were seeing that lonely older adults had worse self-reported sleep quality. And when we put fitness trackers on them to actually assess objectively how their sleep was, this uh, density plot here shows data from 362 nights from about 39 older adults. And as opposed to showing the actual mean sleep, it actually plots um, the, the overall um, sort of curve of how they sleep over time. So each uh, individual here is shown by a line. The red, folk, the red lines indicate people who reported higher levels of loneliness and the blues are the individuals with lower levels of loneliness. The flatter curves are actually the individuals with more variability in their total sleep time. And we found that while mean sleep duration was similar between lonely and non-lonely individuals with so the average amount that they sleep at night, the actual intra-individual variability was higher in lonely individuals. Um, so it seems that this variability of sleep, which we've shown in other studies to be associated with inflammation and other negative health outcomes, may actually be worse in lonely people. And the reason why we're so interested in that is because sleep may actually be a, a mediator um, of how loneliness affects health. All right, just to close, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some common sleep treatments for insomnia, as well as some general recommendations of how to improve your sleep. So focusing on insomnia, there's, um, there are a number of medications that people have been prescribed for sleep. So one common uh, group is called the Z drugs, which are specific um, medications that hit the benzodiazepine receptors, but are usually marketed specifically for sleep. You might've heard of um, Ambien or Zolpidem and other medications like that. And these medications um, on the bright side are best suited for acute issues and are often available through primary care doctors. Um, however, they're, it, does come with a number of side effects, um, as well as, you know, may not be useful for chronic long-term use. There's also a number of over-the-counter options that are, um, that are uh, marketed for sleep issues. You might've heard of Sequel or, you know, using Benadryl or Unisom. Um, there tends to be less dependence from those medications, but unfortunately similar, um, the efficacy often wanes when they're being used for chronic, um, for chronic treatment. 
There's also um, therapies that can be helpful. One in particular I'm going to talk about is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, this treatment has been shown to be safe and effective. It has lasting effects on improving insomnia. However, it does require a bit of motivation on behalf of the um, patient. It does take time, often six weeks or more, and then it tends to be less successful in terms of finding therapists who are skilled in CBTI for, um, for different uh, patients. So the other thing that many people will talk about is sleep hygiene. So when you don't have a diagnosed sleep disorder, there's a number of different things you can do to try to improve your sleep. Um, one key is, uh, point is to avoid caffeine, alcohol, nicotine, or exercise around bedtime, all stimulating, um, for the most part, stimulating things um, that may make it difficult to fall asleep, but also alcohol, if you're thinking about it as a sleep aid, may make you drowsy in the short term, but it may wear off before you're ready to actually wake up. Um, however, on the other hand, exercising regularly is important for, um, for maintaining and improving sleep quality overall, as long as it's not right before you go to bed. Having regular meals can be an important way to sort of re-regulate your body, to um, be sort of more aligned with regular circadian activities or circadian rhythms. Um, having regular bedtimes, even on weekends. Um, there's been some studies that show that catch-up sleep on the weekends is actually not um, associated with better um, cardiovascular health and having sort of that regular bedtime and wake time every day can be better for your body. I'm trying to schedule enough sleep. So at least seven hours of sleep can be very important. I'm having calming bedtime routines. So avoiding stimulating TV or stressful tasks right before sleep um, can help to avoid having anxiety or trouble falling asleep at night. Um, maintaining a dark, quiet, cool environment, trying to avoid having a lot of clocks in the bedroom. And then of course, using your bed only for sleep and sex. No eating, studying, TV, trying to avoid all these um, other associations of active things you might be doing in bed. Now, during COVID-19, there's a number of other things that have been shown to be helpful for sleep. Um, going outdoors every day, getting the natural sunlight, um, managing the stress related to COVID-19. So practicing mindfulness, self-compassion and gratitude maintaining a daily routine, even at a time when things may be blending together and we may be feeling like we're in Groundhog's Day and every day is the same. This can be a real key part to actually provide definition and um, creating structure to our day. Another one is cultivating meaningful daily social interactions. That's been um, one area that a lot of patients have told me is a real challenge. They miss almost the um, just sort of the regular minor social interactions you might have at a coffee shop or, a, you know, on the way to, on the bus, on the way to work, things like that. And finding ways to cultivate meaning through social activities is important. Um, another one is, again, providing structure, but maybe more along the lines of um, a longer term uh, scale is looking at how to celebrate milestones and actually plan for the future. And then the last, of course, is if symptoms are um, getting worse in terms of sleep um, or even, you know, of mood and stress contributing to sleep problems, the key thing is to seek help from your doctors and getting evaluated to see if there are other things that can be done. One of the most important things I find about sleep is that sleep is so modifiable and treatable that it's important to consider that as a key integral part of your health. So just to summarize, um, sleep is a key biological process for the growth, uh, maintenance, and for aging successfully. Sleep disorders are treatable. COVID-19 has affected sleep in many populations, including older adults. 
and that we can improve our own sleep through changing habits and rituals and other enriching activities. And I think it's important to emphasize that. And last of all, I just want to thank you all, my audience, my sources of funding, um, as well as our wonderful team at UCSD. Thank you so much for your attention.